I get to talk about the sermon. I get to share the sermon today. And that is, we're talking about loving your neighbor. So, yes, yes, a very good time to be talking about loving your neighbor. I'm just going to jump right into the scripture. I'm going to start reading out of Matthew. It's 12, 28 through 31, and this is the greatest commandment. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord your God with all, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So let's turn to a neighbor and say, I like you. <laughs> That's good. Kids, turn to, your pitch, turn to your parents and say, I love you. I like that. That's nice. <laughs> so the sentence that I'm focusing on today is love your neighbor as yourself. And what I've done is I've broken this down into three parts today. When I first gave my, my notes to Cliff, he said, you might need to shorten this a little. So instead of three hours, I'm going to have it down to two today. So yes, yes. Who needs to get out in the rain? Okay, so three parts. There's love. We're going to talk about what love is. Then we're going to talk about loving yourself. I know it's a little bit out of order in the sentence. And then we're going to talk about loving your neighbor. And then we're doing it that way because how can you know how to love your neighbor according to the sentence if you don't know how to love yourself first? So talking about love, a few weeks, a few weeks, a few months ago, I was in a really weird place. This is just full authenticity, full transparency. I was sharing with the staff. I was asking some of the prayer team and I told my wife, I was in this really strange place where I didn't understand. I didn't feel my sense of self-worth. I didn't, I lost sight of my value as a dad, as a husband, as a contributor to our church. And I'd like to think that maybe that was my midlife crisis, because if it is, then I got out of it without buying a black Lamborghini. <laughs> Although now that I'm saying it out loud, maybe I should look into that. Um, but, uh, but to give you an idea of some of how I'm going to, last time I was speaking, apparently I said the word unpack a lot of times, but um, I'll try to unpack this a little bit with a little bit of a story. Uh, we were together as a staff and we were having, we were, we were just doing our staff meeting on a Monday and Cliff says right in the middle of the meeting, Hey, let's do lunch today. And without thinking, I turned and said, I love you. <laughs> and one of our staff members goes, Whoa, <laughs> you guys stole my punchline. <laughs> And I turned back to Brian and I said, I love you too. <laughs> but it was, a, it was, it's funny and it was a little awkward because it's, it's vulnerable to say, I love you. You know, it's something that usually is just contained for people who are really close to you. Uh, to go even deeper with this, when I was younger, I was, I was working as an actor uh, I did on-camera and on-stage acting, and I was taking an acting class, and the coach's name was Glenn, and I had a script, and there was an actress on the other side of the camera. The coach was there with the camera, and he's, he says, action. My line was, I love you. 
Cut. Michael, do it again. Action. I love you. Cut. Michael, come on, do it again. I love you. Okay, Michael, cut. Let's talk about this. And the, act, the, the coach says to me, Michael, when you were younger, when you were a kid, did your family say I love you very often? And in the moment, I was a little embarrassed and almost kind of ashamed to say, well, we say I love you, but I guess it's not very often. And he then turned to the class and says, if you don't say I love you very often, if you didn't grow up in a place where saying I love you is a very common thing, then it can come across as a little awkward, especially when you're on camera. And so the point here is I realized that I didn't believe I had a good I love you to share with other people. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> so here we go. Uh, where am I in my notes? Um, I didn't have a good I love you. So how can you have, how can you share something if you don't have it? If I asked you guys, if, does someone here have some gum? Someone might be able to reach in their pocket or purse and say, here you go, I got some gum. If I said, does anyone have water? Maybe someone has a bottle they haven't cracked yet and they want to share, or maybe they want to share one they've already drank off of. Um, if I said to someone in here, does anyone have a soccer ball for an illustration? I probably am not going to get a soccer ball. It's hard to give what you don't have. So let's define what love is. If you've ever been to a wedding before, you're probably going to have heard this before. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not, where did it go? Self-seeking. Oh, I missed it. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. Kids, that means it's not selfish. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. For those of the, the kids who are with us today, I'm so glad you're here. Always perseveres means it's constant. It keeps going. In short, and this could be an oversimplification, love is caring, having compassion, and serving each other. And I'm going to go further into that a little later. So what does it look like to love yourself? Uh, let's see. I've already covered that. I totally jumped out of my notes, but I'm just going to keep going. Um, I talked about earlier uh, how I fell into a place where I didn't understand my value. And I think that what happened with me is I was uh, affected by some lies that I think we can all fall prey to. And so what are these lies that I think might have got in my head and that can, can there, there's a real enemy that wants to see us not fulfill the command that Jesus gave us. So some of these lies are, you are an accident. Thank you guys back there. You are not enough or you are too much. Sometimes when we're doing life, people are like, can, can you calm it down a little bit? You're too young to do anything of significance. That's a lie. Or you're too old. Your time has passed. You are a fake. And the, the worst for me, you cannot be loved. You are unlovable. These are all lies that are meant to stop us from truly loving each other. So I'm going to turn to the kids now. Kids, any of you, have you seen the movie Encanto? Yes. Okay. Okay. Do you know of a character named Luisa Madrigal? 
Yes. She sings a song called Surface Pressure. Do you guys know that song? Yes. Can anyone give me the first line in the song? I'm the, yes. I'm the strong one. I'm not nervous. I'm as tough as the crust of the earth is. Yes. I move mountains. I move churches. Here's where I want us to pay attention. And I glow because I know what my worth is. Yes. Later in the song, she sings, I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if I can't be of service. Take a note there because Jesus is going to talk about that a little later. I think about my purpose. Can I somehow preserve this? I want you guys to know something. Louisa looks like she's the strong one because she's got these muscles that no one else has and she's bigger than everyone else, but that's not why she's the strong one. She's the strong one because she knows who she is and she knows what she's supposed to do. So let's go into that a little bit. If you're taking notes today, take notes on this line right here. When you understand who you are and what you're called to do, you are strengthened and empowered. I'm gonna say that one more time. When you understand who you are and what you're called to do, you're strengthened and empowered. So you can't know your purpose unless you know how valuable and unique you are. We're here today because most many of us are followers of Jesus. We're looking to see what the Bible has to say about our life. But there could be the off chance that someone's here who's maybe not made that decision yet. So what I've done right now first is I've taken some information outside of the Bible, and I'm going to start with that. This here comes from a Harvard study in 2011 called, What are the Chances You Would Be Born? The first part of this are your parents. If your parents were living in a specific part of the world where they had a shot at meeting each other, the first statistic is one in 20,000 that they would actually meet each other. The next part here is after meeting them, they have one in 2,000 chance that they would fall in love and actually have a baby where you would come in. So those two combined is a one in 40 million chance that you should even be here. If we stop right there, that is just enough for me to go, you are absolutely valuable, unique, and we don't even go, need to go any further. But if we go even further, we find that mom has a 100,000 chance of having a baby. Dad has roughly four trillion, and kids, if you have questions about that, please ask your parents when this is all said and done. I'm not gonna go any further in that. That's not what today's about. But those, those two combine give us a one in 400 quadrillion chance that you would be sitting here. Those two things, those two points that I just shared combined, along with the fact that our ancestors lived long enough, survived through all the elements, found each other, had babies, leading to us gives us a 10, and let me say this correctly, 2,640,000 power chance that you would be here. That means it's 10 with 45,000 zeros after it. For a minute, I thought maybe I should actually fill up the screen with those zeros, but I wasn't going to take the time to do that. But this is huge. According to science, none of us should be here. That's amazing. We are so unique and so valuable that According to statistics, scientifically, we shouldn't even be sitting here. So what does Jesus have to say? Let's bring it back to the Bible. And I want to put a pin here because 
If you feel like you identified with any of those lies I shared earlier, this is a great resource to turn to, to look to see how Jesus sees you. Psalm 139, one through seven says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful, me, too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Jesus loves us. He cares about us. He knows us. He sees us. And what I take away from this is if we're in a sad or dark or scary place, he is there with us. That's huge for me. So the next piece for me is, who are we? I said, when you, when you know who you are and what you're called to do, you're strengthened and empowered, who are we? I'm going to Romans 8, 14 through 17 here. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I've already said it, but I'm going to do it again. When you understand who you are and what you're called to do, you're strengthened and empowered. We are children of the Lord most high. Come from royal blood. That's right. Yes, you can get excited about that. We are called to take care of ourselves and love each other. So why was it so difficult for me to say I love you in the first place? Why was it such a challenge? We already talked about the lies, but there's one other piece that I didn't talk about, and that's pain. When we are interacting with each other, when we say I love you, we open ourselves up for being vulnerable and it doesn't always return that way. Sometimes it comes back and whether it's loss of someone we love or care about, whether it's possibly something like abandonment or a broken relationship or even abuse, we take on pain. My son Lincoln, he's no, I'm gonna talk about him today. He just got done playing baseball. He did so good, I'm very proud of him. I'm proud of all my kids. Um, he, oh, this is the year, this is the age where they started out with what they call coach pitch. In the game, the kids come up and the coach pitches it and the, the adults are pretty good at getting right over the plate for the most part. And uh, as the kids get a little better, a few games in, they go to kid pitch. And some of these kids can pitch. Some of them can, can put it right, it over, right over. But a couple of them, it gets a little wild. And some of these kids would get up and the pitch would come in and then, oh, and there was tears and it was sad. And they get hit one, two, three times in a game. <laughs> it was so sad. And I shouldn't be laughing, but it was so sad. And, <laughs> and I noticed kids who were really good hitters getting up and the pitch would come across and it wouldn't even be close to them. Their microphone. Sorry, hold on. Let me get that back on. That's upside down. If you're watching online, okay, I think I got it. You guys good? 
We're good? Okay. All right. Sorry about that. That was a really good demonstration of what the kids do. Anyway, so the pigeon come across and it wouldn't even be close to them and they'd go running out and really scared. And one of the kids I noticed who was a really good hitter, I came to him and I said to him, oh, thank you, hold on, time out. Thank you, Jeff. You said time out? I said time out. All right, I think you're good. I'm, I'm so fired. <laughs> Jeff is awesome. See, yeah, I'm going to talk about the tech team later. Okay. So I went up to the kid and I said, hey, I got an idea. If you go into the batter's box and you see a pitch coming and it's hittable, I want you to swing. But if it hits you, I want you to stay in the box. And if it hits you, after the game, I'm going to let you throw a pitch at me from the mound and hit me too. And he goes, really? And I said, oh yeah, you can do it. And sure enough, he goes in there and he takes one. And I went, oh man. <laughs> and he didn't cry. And he kind of jogged over to first base and eventually made it around home. And he goes, I get to get you after the game. And so <laughs> here's my point on that. If you are feeling pain and you realize you're not alone, it's easier to deal with. And Jesus talks about this as well. Let's see, where are we? Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says that we're supposed to give that pain to Jesus. Here's what it says. Come to me, all you, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Kids, when I first read this when I was younger, I thought the yoke meant egg yolk. That's not what it means. <laughs> uh, a yoke, when they're talking, when Jesus is talking about this, the people then would understand what this means. Think about like a larger animal, like a horse or an ox, and it has a harness. And oftentimes they would stick another animal alongside and that harness would help them plow the field and they could plant crops, vegetables could grow up and they could keep going with things, something along those lines. When Jesus is talking about this, he's like the larger animal. Let's call it a horse. And we're like a smaller one. We can get tethered, connected to Jesus, and we can move forward with him. He takes the weight, that pain that we're talking about, and we still go through life. We're still learning. We're learning from the larger animal in this picture, the larger Jesus. And it's what's really cool about this, you guys, is in order to make this happen, it's not something you can just like hope for. You've got to ask. You've got to ask. You've got to pray, Jesus, will you please connect yourself to me? Can I take on the yoke that you're talking about so that you can lift some of this pain and the weight? I don't like pain. I don't like pain at all. I find that I'm much better with physical pain. You could throw baseballs at me all day and I'll get over it. But the pain of hurt that I was talking about earlier, some of the loss that we talked about, I feel like I can't breathe, I can't sleep well. It's tough, you guys. So here's what the scripture doesn't say. It doesn't say, give me your burdens and then go to the Bahamas and drink out of a pineapple with a little flower and, and what is that, the umbrella. Yes, thank you. <laughs> it doesn't say, I wish it said that. I really wish Jesus said, give me your pain and just keep going on and do whatever you want. But he says, 
take on my yoke, which means we're not going to stop. We're going to keep doing life. We're going to serve each other in love. And we're going to learn through Jesus that way. So what's the next part of what I said here? Okay. Yes, I'm here. I'm here. I'm there. Again, if you're taking notes or you're, if you're coloring, you don't have to look up right now, but I want you to open your ears. I want you to hear me on this. You are not an accident. You have a very specific reason for being here and a very specific call for you in your life. You are a child of God. You are loved by God. And you are called to care for yourself and love others. Amen. That's huge. You and I have a great I love you. Earlier I said I didn't have a very good I love you. We have a great I love you because we're loved by God. So it starts with us. This is still under the umbrella of loving yourself. As a community of Arbor, of a church, it starts with us. I have scripture here. John 13, 34 through 35 says, a new command I give you. Love one another. He's talking about the church here. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus is literally saying the rest of the world will recognize you for the love that you have for each other. That's huge, you guys. As a church, as Arbor, as a church is large. I'm not going to speak to whether or not we're doing a good job with that. All I'll say is that's how we're supposed to be known. So let's move on to loving your neighbor. And I'm going to go straight to a story here. That's Luke 10, 25 through 37. And it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord with your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Okay, time out before I go to this next part. A priest and a Levite. A priest was one of the highest orders in the church at the time, the synagogue. And a Levite was also someone who worked for the church. These are people who are supposed to know what's going on here. A Samaritan in the story is technically going to be an enemy of the Jews that are listening to what Jesus is talking about. So here we go. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these Three, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert of the law replied, 
the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. When we love our neighbors, it looks like care, compassion, and service. I know it's scripture heavy, but I'm going to go right into this one. Galatians 5, 13 and 14. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another in love. Serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. I heard this line before and it stuck with me. People don't care what you know unless they know you care. I found that to be so true in my life. I feel like I could be totally right about a point, but if I just keep hammering that point and they're like, you don't care about me, they're not gonna hear it. Jesus's answer in the story literally means it could be your physical next door neighbor. It could be the person you're passing by on the street or at the park. It could be the person that you agree with or disagree with religiously, philosophically, politically, all of the other Lees. Uh, um, Jesus' answer leaves no room for this. We're supposed to love everyone. So love looks like serving one another as a Samaritan did. And here's the thing. I couldn't talk about serving each other in love without actually giving you practical ways. So here's the first one. We are here at Arbor Church. We have places for you to serve. I know, it's awesome. Um, I oversee the children's ministry and I'm totally plugging that. If you feel like you're in a place where you love kids and you are there to serve kids, you wanna serve kids, come and talk to me because I could use some leaders right now. But I don't want just anyone. I don't want someone who's like, well, Michael said to serve, so I'm checking the list. I want people who love kids, who wanna pour into kids' lives, who wanna see Jesus work through them. Clearly, I'm passionate about it. I could talk about it. Uh, Amanda earlier talked about the camp that's coming up. We have youth. Brian can use leaders right now. It's an amazing time. I can already tell you of a couple that are graduating out of the kids into the youth. It's a great time to jump in and serve with them. I want to say thank you to the tech team. We could always use people who uh, want to learn about tech and help with it. To the worship team, to the welcome team, to the ushers, to the coffee. Clearly, there are places to serve here. So if that's you, if you're going, I, I want to show love that way, please join us. Uh, the food bank is another great place. I don't know if you saw the graphic come up earlier, but if you're going, I'd like to donate that way, you could donate. Or if you talk to Allison, I believe there's a team that gets together and actually takes the food to the school that we support. It's, it's a fantastic ministry. Yes. Woohoo. Um, along the side of food. Oftentimes we're in a place where we are doing, I don't, have, you, have you guys heard of meal trains before? Yes, there are families. I think there is even a family right now that we've got a meal train going for. And here's the deal with that. If you've never heard about this, it's amazing. If your family who's gone through some challenges on, of any level, like when we had kids, we were at home, we're tired, we're, she's tired, she's exhausted. Uh, <laughs> I can't take ownership of that. Um, it was such a blessing to have people in the church come and say, hey, we brought dinner for you tonight. Not having to think about food, it's amazing. So we have that as a resource too. And, and the last suggestion I'll give you is your neighbors, the people you, you're talking to out in life, listen to them. If I didn't say it already today, I think God created us with two ears and one mouth for a reason. I think we gotta stop and listen to each other, ask each other questions, learn about each other's stories. I think that starts with how we love each other, how we love, and you're gonna eventually find a need, and then we'll get the opportunity to serve them that way.
I'm going to do one more scripture here, and then I'm going to call the worship team up. Romans 13, 8 through 10 says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. Kids, that means don't be jealous. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of law. Uh, Before I go, yeah, come on up, guys. Um, I want to issue a challenge. As you're out doing life, kids, you're totally in on this challenge. Introduce yourself. My name is Michael. Ask questions about other people. Adults, you're not off the hook. Learn about them and show love. Jesus, thank you so much for bringing us together today. Thank you for teaching us about what it means to love one another. Thank you for giving us this call and help us to live this life that I know you meant for the best for us. I ask, Lord, that you continue to guide us. We have so many things to celebrate. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.